0: patients that i was seeing in my hospital were indistinguishable many times from the men and women that i was evaluating in jail but the environments were so markedly different one is charged with trying to help and heal and the other is really designed to control and punish these were the words of christine Montrass, a psychiatrist an associate professor of psychiatry and human behavior at Brown University's medical school who has treated people with serious mental illnesses for years, as explained by Dave Davies in his NPR article titled, "Psychiatrist: America's Extremely Punitive Prisons Make Mental Illness Worse. In his article, Davies cites research from Montrose that shows that in the United States Individuals with serious mental illnesses are much more likely to be incarcerated than to be treated in a psychiatric hospital. As Montrose is attributed with saying in Davie's article, quote, "People who are mentally ill to begin with are in circumstances that are not therapeutic and supportive at all, that are extremely punitive. It's unrealistic for us to imagine that people can emerge from those situations psychologically intact end quote." The indication is quite clear. The emphasis on punishment within the criminal justice system only exacerbates existing mental health situations within prisoners. Solitary confinement, in particular, is one punishment-centric policy within prisons that can cause serious damage to the mental health of prisoners. According to Kayla James and Elena Vanko's report in the Vera Institute of Justice, over 150 years of research in criminology, epidemiology, psychiatry, anthropology, and psychology have concluded that solitary confinement has a plethora of very negative impacts on inmates. Some of these negative effects are to be expected in the forced isolation brought about by solitary confinement such as anxiety and anger. However, others may come as a jarring surprise to some Americans, such as post-traumatic stress disorder, loss of identity, psychosis, and insomnia. The fact that this solitary confinement practice that our criminal justice system still endorses to this day can give prisoners PTSD and cause them to become disconnected from reality is downright hideous and demonstrates the severity of the long-lasting psychological damage that solitary confinement can inflict on American prisoners. James Ivanko also articulated how solitary confinement can be especially harmful for individuals who already struggle with pre-existing mental illness. Montrose explained this troubling situation in an interview captured in Davie's article, quote, When you are in the prison system, the expectations are very clear. You are given a set of rules. You are meant to follow those rules. If you don't follow the rules, there are consequences, and the consequences result in greater punishment, greater control. When a person with mental illness enters into that system, there is a misalignment between the straightforward system and their ability to comply with that system. So if someone is not thinking clearly, if they're feeling extremely paranoid, they are not going to trust the rules that are being told to them or the people who are expressing those rules. When mentally ill people are not able to comply with the instructions and expectations that are laid out for them in jail, the result is greater and greater punishment. So one of the things that we see frequently is that as punishments escalate, the end of the line punishment is solitary confinement, so if people run afoul of the rules in prison enough times, they can be sent to solitary confinement, which is a disastrous outcome for people with mental illness End quote The very punitive practice of solitary confinement has been shown to only worsen mental health problems for individuals with mental illness. This can be especially traumatic which is why it is so baffling to understand that many incarcerated individuals with mental illness are ostensibly punished for their mental illness, most egregiously with solitary confinement. Solitary confinement and the American criminal justice system's irresponsible tolerance of it can even cost lives. As indicated by James and Vanko, quote, In New York State, the rate of suicide was more than five times higher for people in solitary confinement than in the general prison population between 2015 and 2019. Similarly, a 2014 study of the New York City jail system found that people who had been confined in solitary were 3.2 times more likely to self-harm than incarcerated people who were never placed in solitary. A study of more than 200,000 people released from prison found that those who had spent any time in solitary were 78% more likely to die from suicide within the first year after their return to the community than people who had been incarcerated but not placed in solitary." The incredibly dangerous effects that solitary confinement has had on the mental health of prisoners is, thankfully, finally starting to be addressed by lawmakers who understand the detrimental impacts of solitary confinement. In the article Senate passes the HALT Solitary Confinement Act from the official website for the New York State Senate that was published on March 18, 2021, some of the New York State Senators cited some of the various statistics and facts that compelled them to vote for this piece of legislation that will uplift methods of rehabilitation and reduces solitary confinement in the state of New York. One such lawmaker was Senator Samra Brook, who articulated how, quote, As chair of the Senate Mental Health Committee, I am deeply concerned about the ways that solitary confinement impacts a person's mental health. The HALT Solitary Confinement Act will end the most harmful uses of isolation and solitary confinement currently in practice throughout our state. Under solitary confinement laws, incarcerated people in New York State can be held in complete isolation for up to 23 hours a day. Solitary confinement has been shown to cause hallucinations, panic attacks, paranoia, and difficulties with thinking, concentration, and memory. And when we force young adults, elders, or people with disabilities into solitary confinement, the impacts are being exacerbated. The experience of being incarcerated is already one marked by violence, trauma, and injustice. I am proud that the Senate has passed the Halt Solitary Confinement Act, bringing New York State one step closer to ending the use of this cruel and unnecessary punishment." I would have to agree that solitary confinement very much fits this definition of cruel and unnecessary punishment. As such, it has no place within the American criminal justice system. However, while it is positive that some lawmakers are starting to take action to limit solitary confinement's troubling grasp, solitary confinement is unfortunately not the only element of American prisons that harm the mental well-being of prisoners. A lack of nature in American prisons also has had a negative impact on mental health. In Claire Horton's article in The Guardian titled, Gardening Helps Our Mental Health, They Should Do More of It in Jail, Alan Grant, a prisoner at Park Prison in Southern Wales, described how, quote, Gardening helps with mental health, and I think they should do more of it in jail. It gives a sense of purpose. It takes our minds off things. It keeps me going. I'm happy and I enjoy it," End quote. as recounted by Horton Mark Thomas, the manager who oversees park's horticulture staff, described the positive effects that nature has had on these prisoners' lives as this, quote, "The men who work in the garden feel differently about themselves. They have been given trust. In the 8 years I've been working in my job, not one prisoner working in the gardens has been placed on the governor's report for disobeying rules. End quote. According to Patrick Barkham's article in The Guardian titled Plants Linked to Lower Levels of Violence and Self-Harm in Prisons, researchers map the percentage of green space, a term used to describe trees, sh- lawns, and shrubbery, within prisons in Wales and England and analyze them alongside incidents of violence in prisons. As Barkham showcases, quote, The study published in the Annals of the American Association of Geographers, suggests that a modest 10% increase in green space inside a prison could reduce prisoner-on-prisoner assaults by 6.6%, with self-harm falling by 3.5% and assaults on staff by 3.2%. Our evidence shows clear and demonstrable benefits from the presence of green space for prisoners in all categories of prison, said the lead researcher, Professor Dominique Moran of the University of Birmingham. End quote. Similarly, in Hanson Lee, Xing Xiong, Chen Yu, Xin Chen, Yang Chao, in Guadang Xiong's Frontiers in Psychiatry article titled, Can Viewing Nature Through Windows Improve Isolated Living? A Pathway Analysis on Chinese Male Prisoners During the COVID-19 Epidemic. It is explained how, through an experiment conducted by the writers of this article, it was determined that, quote, The visibility of nature increased distress tolerance and thus reduced loneliness and mental health problems. The reduced mental health problem, in turn, promoted life satisfaction and well-being. Our findings suggest that nature exposure through windows is effective in enhancing prisoners' life satisfaction and well-being. The policymaker may need to consider nature-based solutions, such as indirect nature exposure in prisons to benefit isolated populations." If the presence of green space correlates with such positive mental health benefits among prisoners, the question of why the absence of green space in so many American prisons is so apparent must be raised. Alongside eliminating solitary confinement, green space must be required in order for the mental health of prisoners to truly be protected. Even still, there would still have to be other changes that would have to be made to the criminal justice system in order for the mental health and emotional well-being of prisoners to be valued in its entirety. One such significant change would involve improving the food that prisoners eat. In Ocean Robbins' Food Revolution Network article titled, Can Improving Prison Food Help rehabilitate convicts so they don't re-offend. 20 prisons and organizations around the world are finding out. The correlation between the poor mental health of many prisoners and the poor quality of the food that they consume is made abundantly clear. Quote, prison food is notoriously bad and lacking in proper nutrition, which can affect prisoners' physical and mental health, and reduce their ability to contribute and reintegrate back into society when they are released. We all know that a brain needs adequate nutrition in order to function well, and it's been documented that rates of crime and incarceration are highest in the most nutritionally deprived communities. Is it possible that many criminals could be, among other problems, suffering from nutritional deficiencies? And if so, I have to wonder... What would happen if we provided a nutrient-dense menu to prisoners? Is it possible that if we fed prisoners better food, some of them would be more likely to succeed in the real world after they've done their time? There's a growing body of data that suggests that's exactly what could happen." Robbins then goes on to reference several studies that indicated these points. One of the most telling of these studies came in 2002. When, quote, a senior research scientist in the Department of Psychology, Anatomy, and Genetics at the University of Oxford by the name of Bernard Gesch led a study that shed further light on what might be possible. The study involved 231 young adult male prisoners who received either a multivitamin and a fatty acid supplement or a placebo. The testing phase ran for 142 days. During that time, the prisoners who took the supplement had a 35% drop in disciplinary incidents and a 37% decline in violent behavior. End quote. If the American criminal justice system truly wants to improve the mental health of prisoners, improving the food that they eat would be an excellent place to start. The poor art and natural lighting within American prisons also has an important correlation with the poor mental health experiences that many American prisons go through. Joyce Frieden articulates as much in her article titled Can Prison Design Affect Inmates' Mental Health Outcomes? in MedPage Today, drawing a connection between improving the art and natural light of prisons with improving the mental health of prisoners. Ultimately, it is important to remember that so many of the mental health crises that prisoners in the American criminal justice system undergo are preventable. If a more humane, compassionate, and holistic criminal justice system was introduced into the United States, countless lives could literally be saved. It is well past time for the United States government to take real, systematic, and comprehensive steps to stop the criminal justice system from inflicting lifelong trauma on its prisoners.